Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we are T-minus under two weeks until the college football season. A week from Saturday, we will be breaking down Oklahoma State and Missouri State. Man, I, it feels like it's been so long since we've had a college football game. You know, the offseason is long as it, it, it always seems long anyway. But just with the no fans and everything else, it just it feels like we haven't had college football in like two and a half years. Oh, it's it's been brutal. I because I didn't go to the games last year. I've gone to since five years old to Oklahoma State home football prior to last. So the really weird year for me, not being in Stillwater six or seven times throughout the fall, and now the off season is just dragging. But not only is next Saturday game day, but a week from today is game week. I've got next week's a great week. Next week, uh, Thursday of next week is number one. It's my birthday. And number two, Millwood and Heritage Hall play that night. Donovan Woods, former Oklahoma State Cowboy friend of mine, is the new D.C. at Millwood. So I think I'm going to go check that out. Uh, and then Oklahoma State and Missouri State on Saturday being Stillwater. So it's going to be a great week. And I think congratulations are in order. Didn't you make a big announcement over the weekend? Did make a big announcement. Yes, my wife and I found out that we are expecting our first child, a former, not a former, a future Oklahoma State Cowboy. Uh, so she's about seven, eight weeks along. We've had the first ultrasound. Heart's beating like a champ. Everything looks good. So we are very excited. Due date is April 9th, which is Masters weekend. So should be quite the weekend if everything goes according to plan. So we're really excited. Man, what if Tiger is in the lead and she goes into labor on Sunday? They've got TVs in the hospital is what I've told her. Yeah, you just pulled up on your phone, right? <laughs> she, said, she said, don't you dare watch the Masters while I'm giving birth. And I said, oh, man. I said, Dana, the coverage is only on for like six hours. If you happen to hit that six-hour window, who am I to not have the TV on? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's but, only right. Well, My mom. The, Victor Hovland's coming down the stretch with the lead, something like that. We're going to – we'll make yeah. it all for, for both her and I. My – uh congratulations man that's that's awesome that's super exciting and i uh, can't wait to have a, a pistols firing podcast baby that's a, a maybe it'd be a first i think kyle had all his kids when we started this uh but no my my dad when i was being born was watching the 1984 summer olympics and my mom never lives lets him live it down so he he was kind of in the waiting room watching like the track and field or whatever while uh, things were going down uh so that's exciting congratulations colby we'll uh we're, we're happy for you and, and the family. That's really, really cool. Yeah, uh, we got a lot to, we got a lot to get to the pac 12s stuff still going on. I thought Barry Trammell wrote an interesting article. We got the governor Stitt, uh, governor Kevin Stitt weighing in on conference realignment as well. And we got football coming up. So we got a lot to talk about, but first let's hear from Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. The first college football Saturday is here. Don't waste any time. And if you come down on Saturday for the game, be sure to stop over by Chris's. I know you're going over to hideaway. So once you go have the big country pizza at Hideaway, uh, no free ads, I guess. I, I go, going against the rules here, but we all know what Hideaway presents. But when you're over there, just stop into Chris's and uh, get you some cowboy gear. So Colby, you know we've we've talked so much about conference realignment. It feels like there's something new that comes out every single day, every single week. And kind of over the end of the end of last week and over the weekend, the, the Pac-12 commissioner George Klyakov has said that expansion's possible and that they'll probably decide on it in the next seven to 10 days, probably two weeks, something along those lines. 
And Barry Trammell wrote an interesting column using some of those quotes, but I, I thought even more interesting was the fact you know, he used uh, Zach Miller, who put out the the TV ratings where Oklahoma State was 19th ahead of every Pac-12 school except for USC. And in that article as well, he also used Wall Street Journal's 2020 valuation of where each program would be worth on the open market. And OSU ranks 31st ahead of all but four Pac-12 schools, 23rd Southern Cal, 25 Washington, 26 Oregon, 27 UCLA, and then OSU's 31. So right, they're right there with those schools in terms of what they bring as a football program. So Trammell kind of makes the argument here that if they want good football and they want to, you know, make the college football playoff, that was kind of his biggest point was like the Pac-12 needs to get in the college football playoffs. They need better teams. Uh, I think the more, the more I've thought about it, Colby, just the more sense it makes for the Pac-12 and Oklahoma state equally, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of talked about it all along. It seems like the most, obvious fit right it's geographically yes you have to come a little bit further east but it also gets you into the central time zone which we talked about a couple of weeks ago it would be huge for the pac-12 to have games on at 11 o'clock instead of having your first game of the day on at one or three on fox where you're not getting that many viewers you're not taking over the sec game of the week you're not taking over the 230 abc game that everybody in this part of the country is used to but you could get on at 11 with oklahoma state now oklahoma state fans if that happens prepare your Yourself, there's gonna be a lot of 11 a.m. home games. There's gonna be a lot of early tailgating. Your, your day's gonna be over at 2:30 a lot if you wind up in the Pac-12 because home games are gonna have to be put on at 11 for TV purposes. But that sure beats the hell out of going to the American and fighting against Houston and Cincinnati and Memphis for conference championships. And it, it really comes down to whether the decision makers in the Pac-12 feel like Oklahoma State adds enough value to make it worth having to split the pie another way. And they'd probably add multiple teams. It probably wouldn't just be one, I wouldn't think. Go to an odd number in your conference. Um, but I, I think you'd have a hard time making it the case that Oklahoma State wouldn't add value. It's just whether the Pac-12 thinks that they add enough value. But I think the idea that the Pac-12 would just sit on their hands while everyone else makes moves it's like, yes, you may outlast the Big 12 in that scenario, but where does that put you if you don't make any moves and you just stand pat where you're at? It's really going to make you a the uh, the poorest of the rich schools, if you will. You're going to have the Big 10 ACC and, and SEC making moves, getting all these schools playing great football, competing for national championships and college football playoffs. Then the Pac-12 is just kind of going to be doing their own thing out in California with not that many eyeballs on them. They need to get into another part of the country. They need better football, like you said, so that they can get in the college football playoff. And I think Oklahoma State's a good fit. I, I do too. And, and again, if you're the Big Ten, like you're not doing an alliance. You're saying, you know what? We're just going to take USC from you. We're going to take Washington and Oregon from you and probably UCLA. We'll take those four schools. See you later. Nice knowing you. We'll kick out Rutgers and Maryland. Like the Big Ten holds all the cards here. So I, I don't think that I don't think there's any way the Pac-12 can tell the Big Ten what's what. Here's who's going to tell the Pac-12 what's what. It's Fox. Fox just got their tails kicked by ESPN losing at the out on the SEC and they're they're pissed. They're upset. They need to do something to enhance their television package. And they're kind of stuck with the Pac-12 as it currently stands. But I think Fox is going to tell the Pac-12, look, you're like the things you just said, like you're not on TV till 3.30 on the Eastern East Eastern time zone. Klyakov mentioned that in the story by, by Barry Trammell. Like that's an obvious problem. And so if, if Fox goes to the Pac-12 and tells them, 
you're adding these schools from the central time zone. You're going to play TV from 11 a.m. till 1 a.m. central time. And that's going to enhance your TV package and thus give you more money. So is Oklahoma State just going to come into the league and draw so many eyeballs that themselves that the, pot, the slice of the pie gets bigger for each team? No. But if Fox comes to them and says, here's what it'll look like if you do this, this, and this, uh, you're doing it. And they, they, they frankly need to, to, to save their, their TV deal because it's terrible. So for me, Colby, this, this comes down to, and I haven't talked a lot about this, but, but Chad Weiberg is, is very well connected. And his uncle, Kevin, is, is, a, is really a huge figure in all of this. I mean, this is all about connections in the right places. And no one has more connections in the right places in terms of television and conference realignment, in my opinion, than Kevin Weiberg. For people who don't know, he was the Big 12 commissioner when OU in Texas didn't want to do a TV deal. You know, I, again, I, I mentioned it on the show with Dave when you were off, Colby. You know, I, you got Bob Stoops on the sports animal bemoaning the fact that the Big 12's last in line for TV network deals, that they don't have a network. Well, that, that's because OU in Texas didn't want one. So they're the reason we're in this predicament. And so Kevin Weiberg left. And he went to the Big Ten and started the Big Ten Network. And now look at it. It's the, the highest paying TV contract there is in college sports. So for me, Colby, I think Kevin Weiberg, Chad Weiberg, they're on the phone with Fox kind of laying out their case. All these numbers we've mentioned, you know, 19th in the country in TV viewership, all the things we discussed with the time zones. And I think that's going to be a big factor behind the behind closed doors. I really do. Yeah, I think it will be as well. It's 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 interesting that you bring up OU in Texas and the Big 12 network that never happened. You know, you had the Longhorn Network on ESPN, which was a total disaster for ESPN. OU's got their own kind of thing going on with Sooner Sports and with Fox, and they didn't want to have the conference TV network. Well, the conference TV network is where the real money's at. That's where the, the SEC money that they're going to get is at. But OU in Texas have the built-in advantage of being these giant brands that even whenever they try something and fail, it's not like, you know, they go away or they don't get an opportunity. No, they get the next opportunity and the one after that and the one after that because they're OU in Texas. So, you know, Longhorn Network, not establishing a Big 12 network, blew up in everyone's faces, uh, had a huge part in killing the conference. Doesn't matter to them. They just go to the SEC because they've got these huge brands. Everyone else is left to fend for themselves. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that that's going to matter big time. And I I'd be really curious to know – who all is on these phone calls and exactly what's being said? I mean, are we getting, are we getting, like, is Bowles be involved in any of this? Is it university presidents and athletic directors? I, I mean, is, is Mike Gundy on the phone with the, the Pac-12 commissioner making the case for Oklahoma State? I can't imagine he is. I would imagine it'd be more Weiberg uh, and Shrum. And, I mean, I, is it just mostly Weiberg? Uh, is the Pac-12 commissioner on these calls? Or are they just talking to higher-ups at Fox? There are so many questions that I wish I could have answered about what's going on behind the scenes right now. But, I mean, we're kind of just left to guess. But, yeah, Oklahoma State is making a heavy pitch to both the Pac-12 and Fox because that seems like the most realistic avenue. Yeah, I agree. And I, as far as the meetings go, I think what based on what I think how this goes, and I, I just remember back when they were hiring Mike Boynton, just kind of that process – I think Weiberg's in a room with Casey Shrum and the Board of Regents, and they are hammering this out. And I think Weiberg has to be super careful, much like uh, Joe Harris, the OU president, and the Texas president were as well, to where, you know, they, they hired like lawyers to do all these conversations to where it's attorney-client privilege. There's no paper trail in terms of emails, phone calls. It is lock solid. 
So I would guess that Weiberg is doing something similar to where nothing can leak out attorney client privilege wise. And he's, I guarantee he's already reached out to Klyakov. I'm sure they've already spoken. And, you know, Klyakov has said, you know, I've had a lot of schools reach out to me, ones you would expect, and then ones maybe you wouldn't expect. And I, I got to think Oklahoma State's one of those. So I think, I think it's, it's kind of a crazy business that, that Chad Weiberg would be working the phones in secret with the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the ACC just to see what's out there. But it's a crazy time, man. I, I just can't imagine the first month of the job for Shrum and, and Weiberg being dealing with this. But uh, back to Barry's article, he says, quote, I would not say that the Pac-12 needs OSU as much as OSU needs the Pac-12. But from a marketing and competitive standpoint, the Cowboys would help the Pac-12. No Pac-12 program has more wins over the last five years than OSU's 43. The only Pac-12 program with more than OSU's 93 the last decade is Stanford with 96. <laughs> so they've got a lot to offer, Colby, I guess would be my point. And I, I, I think that's true. Yeah, Carson, I completely agree. I mean, Oklahoma State would add value. And it's, it's really not so much a question of, does Oklahoma State need the Pac-12 more? Does the Pac-12 need Oklahoma State more? Obviously, Oklahoma State needs the Pac-12 more. Oklahoma State needs a home. Oklahoma State needs a conference. But the Pac-12 doesn't necessarily need another school, but it would benefit both sides. And just kind of back to the Chad Weiberg conversation, I think probably unfairly, he's likely going to be judged for a long time based on however this plays out, just because the ramifications are so long lasting. I mean, this was dumped into his lap first month on the job. And now he's got to try to scramble to find Oklahoma state a new conference. And if he does, he's the hero because he kept Oklahoma state from being left out in the cold with the UCFs of the world. But if he doesn't, then, I mean, all of a sudden is, is he the goat because, uh, the, the old meaning of the goat, not greatest of all time, because Oklahoma State did get left out in the cold. I think that he will probably for a long time be unfairly judged based on however this breaks down with probably the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, man, talk about pressure. <laughs> I mean, this is more than just the fate of the athletic department, too. This is like the fate of the entire school, like the institution, because let's face facts, like the football is the driving money generator for universities. And they'll be taking a 14 to $20 million haircut over this. And again, that's why, and again, I, I don't hear a ton of people in this market here in Oklahoma city that really get it, that they, Oh, they should play bedlam. Yeah. They'll just, they'll keep playing bedlam. You know, Oh, you wants to play bedlam guys. They're not playing bedlam. Like they cripple Oklahoma's decision. Their shrewd business move is going to cripple Oklahoma state financially cripple maybe even crush and when you're in business with someone for 110 years and you screw them over in a business deal you don't continue like that that you don't continue to do business with that person or that entity that after 100 years of doing business hand in hand side by side they leave you high and dry and, and cripple you financially and crush your business they, they're not playing bedlam so Again, I, I, I just, it blows my mind how many people are like, oh yeah, well, OU wants to play, so OSU should. Well, of course OU wants to play Bedlam. They don't want to look like the bad guy. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's incredibly frustrating that people just don't understand that. You know, when the 50-year-old hits the Powerball and then he leaves his wife for a younger woman, do him and the ex-wife still go to dinner on Fridays? Probably not. <laughs> you know, he did what he thought was best for him. He wanted to go be with a younger woman. Okay, you don't still get to hang out with the ex-wife. That's not how it works. No, we, I want to be friends. I, want to, I just want to hang out and, you know. We can still be friends. We can all still get along. Yeah, nothing. no hard feelings. <laughs> hard feelings. Uh, feelings are hard. Uh, Governor Stitt 
Kevin Stitt is an Oklahoma State graduate. He was asked about all of this, and he said he's working to make sure Oklahoma and Oklahoma State land in good spots. He said he would love to see Oklahoma State in the SEC, considering they have all the leverage with TV contracts. But he said he wants he's working behind the scenes to get OSU in a good spot, whether it's expanding the Big 12 or it's a merger with the Pac-12, which I don't know how much a governor of a state can really do. I think a lot of this is just political uh, PR. But, I mean, I don't think it hurts Colby to have the governor of the state being an Oklahoma State graduate. I, I certainly would rather it be that than the other way around. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would too. I mean, I, I don't know how much impact that is really going to have. Um I don't know. Maybe he can pick up the phone and, and call somebody. Maybe he has a connection to somebody who's higher up in a position in a, in a decision-making position. You never know. But like you said, there's nothing wrong with having him be an Oklahoma state alum. It's better than the alternative. And if he can reach out and put in a good word, or he does have the contact of somebody that you need to talk to, um, then yeah, that could potentially be beneficial. Yeah. And he said he's working with uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott because they're in a similar situation with, you know, the Texas schools that are remaining being in a, in a bad place. So I don't know. This is this is going to shake out over the next, I don't know, a month maybe, a couple of weeks. I mean, the Pac-12 commissioner made it seem like something was imminent in terms of a decision. But if I had to predict it, though, Colby, like, I, I still think that, you know, with the way the TV contracts are setting up, I, I believe the Pac-12 TV deal ends in 2024, which is essentially when the Big 12 grant of rights – it's 2025, but it really ends that summer before uh, the 2025 season. So it kind of aligns, Colby, to where I kind of think the Big 12 will stay together with like kind of an understanding. Like I think OSU and Tech and whoever else would want to go to the Pac-12, maybe an understanding of, hey, let's collect our $38 million a year. We also get to hold OU and Texas's feet to the fire here. And then we can bounce once this, the grant of rights are up and the Pac-12 TV network deal is up. That's one scenario. I think that's that's certainly somewhat likely. Or I, I just I, I can't see the more I've thought about it, Colby, I cannot see Oklahoma and Texas sticking around past this year. I, I think they're going to negotiate some sort of a buyout. I don't think it, I don't know if it, they'll, they'll prorate it to where they get their 80 million, but it's it's over a, a longer period of time that's smoothed out. I don't I think the lawyers will work something out to where OU and Texas can go to the SEC. See, and I if, think. If that happens, I think then OSU should just bounce immediately to the, the Pac-12 if that, if that were to happen. Yeah, I mean, if they have the opportunity to, absolutely. I think that uh, OU and Texas won't be in the Big 12 next season, but I mean, I don't know that there's going to be any proration or anything like that. I think they'll just come out of pocket and pay it, whether that has to do with ESPN money with the Longhorn Network or whether that has to do with boosters, whatever the case may be. I don't see OU and Texas playing in the Big 12 past 2021. Colby, right? they're, not, they're not paying $80 million. Well, as, ri well, as rich as those two are, they, they don't have $80 million just laying around. Well, that's why I think ESPN and the Longhorn Network could be a big factor because there's still a lot of money owed there that could be put toward the buyout. But I, why would the Big 12 uh, – my, my – problem with the idea that you could prorate it you could do something like that so OU and Texas want to kill the conference and now we're going to negotiate and do all this that and the other to help them out on their way out the door I don't see the Big 12 doing that I think the Big 12 uh would say look you signed the contract you know what the buyout is you want to pay it you're welcome to I, I think that that's what the Big 12 would and should tell OU and Texas I agree I just I think they would have to sweeten the pot somehow I'm not I'm not saying the Big 12 would do OU and Texas any favors whatsoever. I just, I kind of know how these, these things work. Like they, 
once the lawyers get involved and they're already involved, I'm sure it's just, they're going to come to some sort of agreement that benefits both parties. And whether that, whether that the buyout increases and they just, they lessen or they, they, they lengthen the amount of time it will be paid. And that really would provide some long-term stability. I feel for some, the remaining teams like in Oklahoma state, I think that's, that's the incentive for me or the way they could, could sell it to them is, here's what you're going to get for this many years until you land on your feet or you find out where you can go. So I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work, but I just, I, I just don't envision as much as I would love to see OU in Texas have to stick around till 2025 and just all the heat they would get at every football game and just how miserable they'd be in this conference that they tried to leave. I just, that'd be great. I just, I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah, it would. It's, I was reading this, uh, Dylan Buckingham tweeted out two minutes ago from John Wilner about the Pac-12 said, Cleve Cobb has not specified which schools are interested in joining the Pac-12, but the list likely includes many, if not all, of the universities in the Big 12, which is reeling after the departure of OU in Texas or the SEC. However, multiple industry sources contacted by the hotline in recent weeks believe the most likely outcome for the conference is to remain at 12. Quote-unquote, no schools really add value, said a source not affiliated with the Pac-12. Uh, interesting. Careful, careful with sources these days. A lot of stuff going around. Um, I'll, I'll believe it when it's all finalized. Well, again, if the PAC 12 wants to sit there on the West coast and virtual national irrelevance with their 12 teams who stink at football, then, then Klyakov's not as smart as I think he is the commissioner. I mean, this guy was hired to fix their TV deal. So I, I don't believe the notion that they don't add any value when the PAC 12, again, is not on television until 3.30, you don't see a highlight of a Pac-12 game until 4 or 5 o'clock on, on the East Coast. That, that is, you are forfeiting half the day to the rest of the country. So the idea that, like, the idea they had no value simply is not true. Whoever, whoever that source is, just... Now, does, as I said before, does Oklahoma State increase each individual slice of the pie for these teams just on their own merit, them and Texas Tech? No. But that's, that's kind of what I was saying with Fox, the TV deal with the central time zone. You're on the mountain time zone, central and west coast. That, that's valuable. I mean, that's, that's TV windows full for the day for Fox with good football teams coming into the conference. We've already mentioned the success OSU's had. So I don't, I don't buy that the Pac-12 can stand pat. I just don't. There's no way. Yeah, I don't either. It's, and it's hard because I'm trying to balance the fact that I mean, obviously, we, we have biases. We, we are biased. I acknowledge that I am biased, but I, I still feel like I'm looking at this with a pretty clear head and a pretty good understanding of what the future landscape of college football is going to be like. And the Pac-12 might not go the way of the Big 12, but they will still end up getting left in the dust if they don't do something. So uh, I don't know. And then the last line of that statement where it said uh, a source not affiliated with the Pac-12 is who was quoted. That to me just seems weird. That's we're, we're talking about Klievkov and what the Pac-12 is going to do. And we're quoting <laughs> a source not affiliated with the conference. I, I don't know. It's, it's all just very weird, Carson. The reporting all the way around it, uh, it's just you think one thing one day and then you think another thing the next day. Yeah, like who, who would this source possibly be? Like is this like his neighbor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's not affiliated with the Pac-12. Yeah. But we're supposed to just – like what merit does – are we quoting, you know, your grandma that you talked to on the phone about this? Like I have no idea who this is. So 
I don't know. It's it's a mess. But I, again, I the idea that the Pac-12 can just say, no, we're good. We got our 12 teams. Like they have to increase their television package. And the current 12 teams they have are simply not doing it. And I stand by that. So yeah, uh, interesting week uh, for basketball, Colby. You know, when I was in college, I remember the, the basketball team playing pickup games at the Colvin Center and just wrecking shop. And I always thought that was really cool that, you know, that average Joes like myself or whoever was on the, the, the main court at the, the Colvin Center could, could play against the, the big boys, the guys that played for Oklahoma State. So that, it appears that traditions continue. So uh, Isaac Likely and some other guys from the basketball team made it over to the Colvin Center. Yeah, it's very cool. It, uh, whenever I was in school, Markel Brown, Marcus Smart, Phil Forte, those guys would come over from time Ooh. to time and just – play some pickup games and uh, it was fun. I mean, everybody would just kind of gather around and watch and uh, they'd, they'd get some games going against the fraternities or just a group of guys that are up there or something uh, split up into different teams, split the, the D1 college basketball players onto different teams and then get out there and play. And uh, it's always fun. And as far as I remember, nobody ever, nobody ever took an injury in a game at the Colvin, which is good. So uh, I would imagine the first time somebody blows out a knee or gets a high ankle sprain or something at the Colvin that that might stop happening quite as often, but it's a ton of fun for the student body when it does. Oh, and it's, it's quite the spectacle. Again, there's an article on pistols firing about this. <laughs> I guess Isaac likely was wearing a neon green ski mask that he had rolled up into just kind of a beanie. But then during the game, he, he pulls the mask down or he's wearing a neon green ski mask and does an alley-oop off the glass to, I believe Tyreek Smith, maybe who that was and they won their first game seven to nothing skunk but oh. just imagine imagine isaac likely running full speed at you with a neon green ski mask and then just throwing alley-oops over your head i i might just sub myself out and go home at that point i would do the old uh, ole move where you just you, <laughs> you you sidestep you get out of the way and you let them go because the only difference between you standing in their way and you sidestepping is you getting embarrassed yeah uh, before we get out of here, Colby, any, any more thoughts on, on fall camp? I, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, we've talked about the, the comments that, sorry, my dog is going ballistic because <laughs> the mailman's here. Uh, Casey Dunn had a quote that he said weeks ago, but it's everything you and I have talked about where he, he said, quote, do we want to open it up? Hell yeah, we want to open it up. So, I think we're going to get back to seeing Oklahoma State style of offense this year. I'm very hopeful that the spread's back. You know, they're going to spread things out. They're not going to play in a phone booth. They're, they're kind of low on the cowboy back depth that they've had for so many years, which I think is a good thing. Less of that on the field, the better. Uh, but just I just think the overall offensive scheme, Colby, is going to be more what we saw at the end of the year, which to me is encouraging. But any, any fall camp thoughts you may have had since we're now under two weeks to go? Yeah, just another one. Yesterday, I was uh, hanging out with Chisholm Holland, who I used to work with at the franchise. He's still over there. And we got to talking about Oklahoma State football. And we got to talking about the running back room. And the running back room at Oklahoma State right now is so, it's so almost even and deep that it's hard to figure out who's going to be the odd man out. I mean, there's four guys in there. You're not going to have four guys uh, getting significant touches in big time games. You're just, you're just not, there's not enough to go around. Um, so we were talking and he was saying that he thought Dominic Richardson would be the breakout guy by the end of the season. And I was saying that I thought Dominic Richardson might be the guy that ends up being the odd man out and then shows out as a junior and senior. 
at Oklahoma State. And I think it just illustrates the depth that Oklahoma State has in that room that there is no clear pecking order, I don't think, past L.D. Brown as far as who's going to get all the carries. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was any one of the other three guys. The only thing that would surprise me is if L.D. is not touching the ball more often than any of the other three because L.D. is an absolute stud. But the other three... No combination of touches for those three would surprise me as we get into conference play and some of the bigger games throughout the season. Yeah, and I, I think seniority with L.D. Brown is a factor. We know Gundy likes to reward guys who have stuck around, and I think L.D.'s earned it too with the way he played last year uh, and relief of, of Chuba Hubbard at times was, was better than Chuba, which I believe he will be RB1. I'm kind of with Chisholm. I, I, I really like Dominic Richardson. That's my guy. Uh, I do think Jalen Warren's going to be a factor on, uh, on third downs. He's like, to me, he's just the prototypical – third down back. And, and as I've mentioned, I think whoever blocks the best and protects Spencer Sanders the best is going to play more because that is such a crucial, crucial role in the offense when you're playing running back is to keep him clean. So I, I think that'll be a kind of an X factor in, in the running back room, but that, that is certainly interesting. So uh, any more things for, I know you got to run soon. Any, anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, just quickly, Victor Hovland does have a chance to win the Northern Trust today. He'll be teeing off at about 1220 our time. It's Monday. It got uh, Tropical Storm Henry rained out yesterday. He is three shots back of John Rahm and Cameron Smith headed into the final round of the first playoff event. A win would go a long way toward uh, helping his chances to be the FedEx Cup champion and the $15 million that comes with it. He'll have to go low today. Of course, it's going to be wet, lift clean in place. It's going to be soft and easy. He's probably going to have to shoot 62 if he wants to win, but 68, 67, 65 the first three days, no time like the present for another low one. How many shots back is he? He's three back of both John Rom and Cam Smith. They're both at 16. He's at 13. Those are, those are tough guys to catch. Not a lot of bogeys in that, that, that twosome. No, not a lot of bogeys in that twosome. I'll say this, though. We're on a current streak, the longest in tour history, of guys who've been trailing through 54 holes, winning tournaments. 13 straight PGA Tour tournaments have been won by someone who did not have at least a share of the lead through 54 holes. Interesting. We'll have to watch that. I'm down for some Monday golf. Love it. Oh, yeah. All in on Monday golf. Me too. Colby Powell, we will talk to you later this week. Football season's almost here, man. I can't wait. Yes, sir. Go Pokes.